Hello and welcome to Best Sips Worldwide. I'm your drinking companion, Susan Schwartz, an American travel writer living in London. Thanks to my mother's love of martinis, the first words I spoke were shaken, not stirred, and I've been obsessed by the history of cocktails ever since. Through the years, I've been lucky enough to sip some of the best made by the best. Hear that sound? It's time to cozy up to the bar and let me introduce you to the movers and shakers of the world's most famous watering holes. On today's program, I sit down with Benoit Prevost, the Frenchman who heads up the most American of bars in London. Why, may you ask, is this the American bar in a city full of famous American bars? Well, you'll have to listen and learn. Ben invited me for drinks over lunch and talked me through his journey from the Loire Valley to the Stafford, his home for 27 years. Uh, my name is uh, Benoit, and um, I've been at the Stafford for 23 years. Originally came to London back in 1993 to improve my English. Like, um, and where were you from? Uh, Le Mans in France, okay, which right. is uh, more famous for the car racing right. and uh, bartending. And um, did five years catering school in uh, Saint-Nazaire. And then started traveling, worked in Switzerland, uh, worked in Corsica. I was lucky enough to do the Winter Olympics in um, Albertville. So when you were in catering school, did you study food or were you studying drinks? Actually, I started food for three years. Uh Um, I've been fully trained in um, cooking. Um, all the, the restaurant side. I mean, really the old F&B operation. It's so interesting because a lot of the bartenders that I have interviewed have come from food. That's, um, and they've so made the, the, the journey the from journey. the back to the front. So to go, tell, tell and, us. Um, and then I did two years in uh, hotel uh-huh. management. But um, then I started traveling. So as I said, um, went to Switzerland and went to Corsica where I made my... Uh, girlfriend at the time, who's my wife now, and the mother of my children, and um, because she was working on the on the hotel side, um, I said, let's go back to my first love, which was um, catering, and uh, went back to the first in the restaurant scene, and, uh, and slowly moved on to the bar, which um, always excited me, so... What was it about it that excited you? Um, I don't know, it's just, um, I think it's the perceptions, the way that um, the guests, obviously, I would think, when you go to a restaurant, it's just, uh, you got to need to eat something and to feed yourself, while you, if you go into a bar, you make the purpose to go into a bar to, to relax, you don't look for the same things when you go in, a, if it makes sense. And, uh, Remember when I was working in Brittany, I mean, one of um, the metro D uh, at the time found that particular client very difficult, which I found surprising because he was absolutely charming with me uh, in the bar. And then I had a chat with the, starting chatting with his uh, with his guest, and I said, "Well, you know the difference between the res- the restaurant staff and uh, the bar staff." And I said, "The maitre is here to look after you, to I mean, does a good job, but um, the bartender is is your friend." So I think the perception is is very different, and the, and people are going to a restaurant or into a bar for two completely different uh, reasons. 
and I think that's this. But you don't go into a bar because you're thirsty, really. No, you it's just I mean? you want. Yeah, it's for the experience, right, the experience. and uh, because and and then obviously when obviously you, you want to drink, but you're not. But you look. You, you want thirst, something. Right? You want something. Uh, something else, and um, and obviously then the experience is very different to the to the place where you you want to you want to go. I mean, my predecessor, uh, Charles Guano, who's been. Stafford for 37 years um, and was his number two for four years. Took over from him in uh, 1997, after sadly he passed away. He mentioned to me once um, if someone comes here to your, to this bar for gin and tonic, I mean, you can have a gin and tonic anywhere. Anyone can mix a gin and tonic. And you can go to any local pubs and um, have a cheaper gin and tonic than what we provide here. I say, what we provide is, um, and what's interesting, it's why does he make the effort or the, the choice of coming to you? That's because we provide something, something different. Is the experience, and and I think that's what we uh, we're all about, and that's that's why I'm still here after 23 years. I think it's the fact that um, if the guests feel comfortable, and I certainly feel comfortable uh, as well, it's just to discuss the atmosphere and this relationship you built over the years with you with your guests, which are, which I really enjoy and, and really love. And how did you get to the Stafford? But originally, I, I was not meant to work in, in London. Uh -huh. As I say, I was just planning to come to England for a year, just to improve my English. And um, that was in 93, so it was the end of the recession at the time, so not easy. And uh, starting going from from door to door, and, and just uh, basically leave the leave the CVs uh, around. And the agency, I got the, the first contact from France. Um, suddenly, give me a call, and I say, listen. But I've just had a call from a contact I've got, which was a French, the assistant restaurant manager who was French, and he said. They've got someone about to leave in that bar, and they're looking for for someone. So would you be interested to go for an interview? And possible? Um, yes, of course. I'd be more than uh, delighted. And that was the Stafford. And that was the Stafford. Uh -huh. So and, and I arrive on there. I remember my first impression coming into this. Uh, Museum, as I call it. Now, I just want to tell everyone that I love this bar so much. Um, maybe because I am American, and um, I, it's hard to describe on radio, really, as a podcast. It, but it, it literally, the walls bit. are covered with American paraphernalia, like football helmets and university caps and baseball caps and pictures and um, how did that how did that come about well it's it all started we used to have a uh, one general manager at um, at one point that was way before my time uh, we used to do some painting and so when he left the hotel he took uh, all his painting with him so they ended up with this bar with a basically um, white campus there and I was like well this is all empty now it looks very empty what are we gonna do and uh, then they had this um, little uh, eagle carved in wood you see on the top shelf um, it's a, a Canadian eagle carved in wood and um, this is the this is the first item which, uh, which has been donated to the bar now we're going back probably about 60 years ago and um, and then someone 
gave a picture and and someone gave a gave a tie and this is where the ID and it just just started snowball. and Do it just still bring very much so very much so and, uh -huh. and I think it brings this kind of um, clubby atmosphere even if we're not a private club uh, uh -huh. things like uh, generation after generations I mean people think like oh. I've left a little bit of myself in the in the bar. You so you've got to. <laughs> My university cap is already here, so that's been taken. <laughs> but to find to find something yeah. something different, but uh, yes, and, and basically you've got sixty years of uh, of history and uh, and donations in the in the bar from all the patrons and different characters we've had over the years. And do you have any traditional drinks that started here? I mean, is there an iconic drink that you would say is, or the, or a Stafford specialty, or the uh, but most the popular thing? Uh, dry martinis, but that's mainly because of the the kind of um, of clientele we've got. Uh, and and afterwards, I would say most of the well, we've got our signature cocktail, but otherwise, I would say all the classic the classic cocktails are Those really the ones, the, the ones which is good for us because there's a big revival of all, all the classic now. I mean. Old fashioned is um, is back on the scene big time right now, and um, it's one of my favorite drinks now. You see, bourbon, it's just it. And it's um, yeah. yeah, it's the it's the everywhere and uh, and the dry martinis and um, the French seventy five. Lots of the old cocktails we. Uh, yes, I had my first French seventy five here. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> now. This is, not only is this a special bar, but this is, again, for so many reasons, it's wonderful. Not only the American connection, but also the spy connection. Yes. And it would be great. I have written about this before because I love this. Maybe you can kind of wrap up her story in about in, in, in We've been, two minutes. And I've been fortunate enough to... To meet that lady, Nancy Wake, who was a uh, former SOE, and um, I mean, I won't go through her life story because we well, can she talk. Was, was she, she was Australian, right? She, she was in the French resistance. She was actually a Kiwi. Oh, she was Kiwi. Um, and moved to Australia when she was three. Okay. And um, so New Zealand, Australia, and then she moved to Europe when she studied um, to be a journalist and had a long story. And at one point she went to Austria, and um, this is when the, the Nazi starting to the, the Nazi movement starting to to develop, and she's witnessed some stuff which didn't like, enjoy, and disagree with, and this is when she she decided to join the the resistance. Yes, and she lived here, so this was her home for after the war. After the war, she well she f she first stayed with us in 1946, okay. uh, just after the war, and. And, and then she moved back to Australia. But every single time there was a celebration or anything happening in uh, in London, she used to to stay. That was a, a place to to live. And quite a few a few years back, she we had this booking coming for a couple of weeks. And uh, Nancy Wake, we knew she had some health problem at the, at that time, and we've lost touch completely with her. So we assumed that she had passed away. And, and then suddenly, and I said, oh, that can't be, can't be the same Nancy. And then she, she arrived, she arrived with a luggage on the, the front of the hotel, and um, for two weeks, she said, I'm here. for two weeks, we thought. And, um, and then we were getting closer to Christmas, and we were fully booked at Christmas. And um, Terry Holmes, our general manager at the time, was like, um, Ben, do you know if, because she was extend, extending, you know, one week, two uh -huh. weeks, and said, you know when she's planning to to leave. Not that we wanted to get rid of her, but we right. just straight. I love that he came to you. 
and we will say why she came. He, the general manager came to you in a, in a second. And then eventually that um, she was sitting at the barn and we were chatting and um, and said, well, I don't like the stool really where, where I'm sitting now because there was no back on the the old stool we had and. Um, she said, because I'm not planning to go back to Australia, I've sold everything I had over there, and as you will have to, to cope with me till I die, I want to be comfortable in my favorite bar. So I'd like you to send, to get me a stool which is more comfortable. I said, right. I said, well, I'll see what we can do with her. So I went to see the general manager. I said, are you prepared? She's not going anywhere. <laughs> and she's not planning to go anywhere. This is where she wants to stay, in a favorite hotel. And um, and that's the way it is. Uh-huh. So, and so you made that chair for her. And then sitting here oh, at the bar Yes, today, I mean, so we send uh, so Terry Holmes sent uh, our assistant manager at the time on the shopping spray uh-huh. and, um, to find a stool which we thought would be comfortable for her, and uh, we could match the rest of the furniture as well. Uh-huh. And this is where that tool appeared. So you too, anyone, can come and sit in her chair. It's there, and uh, obviously there's lots of uh, memorabilia, because right. she was, say, for two and a half years, she was a permanent And I heard food. that she, every day she would be down here at 11, and yeah. she was quite famous, and if anyone wanted to talk to her, they would have to buy her gin and tonic. 11, 11 o'clock on the dot uh-huh. and five o'clock in the afternoon on the uh-huh. dot she used to be in the bar and um i kind of thought she never left in between she, had, she a, had to have lunch she had to have <laughs> not so much lunch uh, but definitely <laughs> a little nap and um but then it's funny because when the when someone was sitting on her stool mm-hmm. it was like we always had to say five o'clock um a lady will come and this I is this is actually a stool and I say, oh, if you don't mind, I say, oh, no, no, don't worry, when she comes, I will make way. And I say, well, even if you don't, she'll make sure that you make way, <laughs> because this is her place. So she was all a very, very good humor. And so um, But then she was very, very open. She was a really, really strong character. And when that book came out, um, I mean, so many people went to get the book and just uh, to have a little chat with her, mm-hmm. to get a little little piece of history and mm-hmm. uh, what she's been through but mm-hmm. uh, so well, back here. to you yes you, so you came and you never left no you pretty much came to London got this and oh, but you were only um, under the head head bartender just for four years and then you retired but the thing is is um, basic since 1946, I'm only the third bar manager. Oh boy, people um, come and they don't leave. There's uh, something <laughs> spooky about this. No, but, it's uh, great. Um, and Louis Verde, the first general manager, who was uh, French himself, uh, is the one who put in place because we're all French, or even if the first bar manager, Louis Crozé, was from um, Swiss Roman, so the French uh, spoken part of, um, of Switzerland. And then um, Charles, who really is the person who Develop all the collections we've got. Um, was became Louis number two, and then when Louis retired, took over, and then I became Charles number two. And when Charles should have uh, retired in '99, sadly passed away in '97 oh. after uh-huh. 37 years of service at the Stafford. So I took I took over two years earlier than I was meant to. But um, yes, uh-huh. I'm only the third bar manager. And as I say, we've all been, we were all French, and that's what Louis Crozé put in, uh, Louis Bourde, sorry, put in place in 1946. I'm just carrying on the traditions and um, 
really carry on the Charles legacy with all this memorabilia. And it's your legacy now. It's your legacy. Now. Yes, it's, it's a new era now. I mean, it, it is. Some of the things but, have changed. Cocktail culture. Mm-hmm. People are asking for new things. You have new. You know, you create new drinks. I, yes, I've had the White Mouse here. You know, that's new and, drink. Um, and you should try some uh, some other cocktails. Uh-huh. There's a new new cocktails. I mean, Eric. Uh, How often do you change, bring out? Um, but the other one, like the White Mouse, which will stay right. um, for all these connections with uh, with Nancy, and um, we are working at Eric, who's our mixologist. We're working on a new on a new list now, so you will see the two. Do you, do you feel the pressure to create new ones because that's what the world wants now, or do you think if you never did them, your clients would be happy just to have? Yeah, that's, some, that's something. Really, we've only started this creation um, about a year ago, so and I think just to bring something slightly different. And um, but as I said, the list is quite small. It's just few of these signature cocktails we've got, but the rest, the classics, have always been our main uh, main cocktail mm-hmm. at least really um, whichever the classics people uh, people want to enjoy and we just uh, mix them but then we wanted to have a little signatures and um, you will see that all the names are related to Nancy with the white mouse um, and and the rest is um, other some of the we, we used to have sea biscuits which we took off but that was one of the Kayajau's room, so we try right. to have the connections and to have the, the name of the cocktails uh, Wait, connected. Part of the hotel were carriage houses. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yes. Right. It's so easy when you when you're here and you right. can and you, you can visualize them. everything. But uh, yes, that's the that's the reason. Yeah. So pressure, I wouldn't say. I think it's more like to make sure that people will uh, will enjoy. But as I say, if it doesn't work, we'll um, we'll take them off and we replace them with uh, with something different. Mm-hmm. Obviously, summertime we go for something a bit more seasonal, maybe some you know fruitier, lighter cocktails. Where during the winter you may go for heavier spirits like uh, you know cognac. More, it's just a. The flavor of the um, the time of the year will, uh, will will give you inspirations to what you want to create. What's your favorite drink? Um, cocktail wise, I would say the White Lady is um, is one of my favorite cocktail. Again, it's an old um, it's an old classic one. Uh-huh. Uh, it was Cointreau lemon juice and gin. Um, I lo- I'm more a gin person than a vodka person, but then I love the I love the product for what they are. Um, I love whiskies, um, I love rum, sipping rum, um, I love cognac, I love Armagnac. Actually, I love yes, lots, a of, lot of lots of things. Brown. <laughs> a lot said that. If it's brown, I'll drink it. And, Plus uh, a white lady. But yes, that's... Um, and then again, depends on the, the time of the day, depends on my mood, it's just... Uh, but I like to try... Uh, always like to try. I've been fortunate enough with this industry, I've been able to visit some distilleries and um, and you see an old... You've got a different perceptions of... Uh, then you appreciate even more all the, the craft and the artwork that has been put into the into the bottle. Sometimes it's we forget, we just, you know, take a bottle from the shelf and uh, it's like, oh... And don't realize that it's, it's, nice. it's and, and been sitting for... And uh, yes, yeah, the years, the, the years and um, and all the, the craftsmanship. Mm. Be, um, I mean, I spent three days um, with Bomo on the Isle of Islay, and um, we did we did pit pit cutting. We did um, so we did 
everything and then we were in a cellar with a master distiller and tried some whiskey straight from the cask and uh, overlooking at the sea I mean those are memories that uh, which I will share it for a very long time and uh, experience that um, I've been fortunate enough to to experience so you, you got they've got cottages actually there which uh, for your next holiday if you want to spend a bit of time on the Isle of Isla they will uh, if I want to leave the Stafford Hotel which I don't really ever <laughs> well thank you so much so no, you're, you're more than welcome and, and uh, very good to see you again we're going to go make a drink now I think it's a very wise idea it was such a pleasure to have Benoit on the show with me today. If you haven't been to the American bar, you're in for a real treat. Order up the White Mouse and toast to one of the great heroes of World War II. Don't forget also to toast to the man who brought you that drink, Benoit Prevost. On the next Best Sips Worldwide podcast, Alessandra Palazzi, the guardian of the myth of the martini at Duke's Hotel, Ian Fleming's second home, joins me here. Until next time, bottoms up. For more information and links to everything you've heard about, plus a bit more, please visit bestbitsworldwide.com. Thanks for listening to Best Sips Worldwide, a spin-off of Best Bits Worldwide. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and never drink and drive. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. You'll find me at the bar. <laughs>